0: welcome to Wicked Crime, a Massachusetts true crime podcast. In this episode, I'll be diving into Cape Cod's Lady of the Dunes, an unsolved murder that took place on the beach in Provincetown in the 1970s. The identity of the victim and what might have happened to her still remain unknown, even with all the theories surrounding the case. As always, listener discretion is advised. If you're familiar with Cape Cod, you know that it's a fairly safe place, so I find cases like this very interesting because honestly, the most criminal thing there is when tourists who have no business riding a bike decide to rent one and make it impossible to drive on the roads. But the Cape and the islands, meaning Martha's Vineyard in Nantucket, are pretty safe places, especially off-season. I might have a skewed view though because I've vacationed there my whole life, but you don't really hear about a lot of major crimes happening there. One of the most known cases from the Cape is the Lady of the Dunes, which remains unsolved to this day. On July 26, 1974, 12-year-old Leslie Metcalf was walking a dog on the dunes of Race Point Beach in Provincetown when the dog pulled her into the scrub pine on the dunes and she discovered a woman's body. Multiple sources can't seem to agree if the dog was her dog, her friend's dog, or some random dog that was on the beach that day. And though this isn't like a huge detail, I do think it's kind of weird that that's never been agreed upon but Leslie most likely wouldn't have found the victim's body without the help from the dog because honestly like a lot of people wonder well why wasn't this body found earlier which we're kind of going to touch on that a little bit and I think it's easy to have assumed that the smell of the body might have had something to do with low tide not that that's necessarily a similar smell I would have I would assume but that might factor into it Once Leslie discovered the body, she went and told an adult, who then contacted police who came out to the scene. The woman's body was only a mile from the ranger station, and she was found naked on a green towel, tucked away in the dunes. Her clothes, which consisted of a pair of Wrangler jeans and a blue bandana, were folded up neatly under her head, and it appeared that there was no sign of a struggle. It looked like someone had tried to hide the woman's identity, since not only were her hands cut off, and missing for that matter, but some of her teeth were missing too. She'd been sexually assaulted after her death with some sort of wooden object that was never identified. She was nearly decapitated, and the left side of her skull was crushed. Investigators believe that the wounds were done with a military entrenching tool, which is basically like a small, sharp shovel. This is a tool that someone who does off-roading on the dunes might have had on them in case their car got stuck in the sand. And nowadays, you can't even get an off-road vehicle pass to drive on the dunes unless you have, like, a shovel, spare tire, rope, etc. So, like, you need these things now to get a pass and you might have needed them back then but i'm sure back in the 70s things were a lot more lax so this might have been done by someone who had the means to go off-roading on the dunes which you definitely can do now at race point but i wonder if that was like a common thing back then there were tire tracks found there and there were also some footprints that disappeared into the dunes but to me that doesn't mean too much those tire tracks and footprints probably weren't still intact from whenever this victim was killed the Fresh hell podcast has a pretty good episode on this case, and one of the things that they mention is that there's a possibility that people had been on the scene before Leslie Metcalf found the body. Police believe that she'd been dead anywhere between 10 days to 3 weeks, so someone definitely could have found her before Leslie did. Fresh hell mentions that the letters SOS were written in the sand near the body, and there's a chance that it was just kids just innocently messing around and had no idea there was a body nearby. Or someone did find the body and wrote that in an attempt to draw attention without them actually going to the police. Could people have found her and not reported it? Sure. It was the 70s after all. And imagine if it was like a bunch of kids or teenagers who came across her. They might have like not wanted to get in trouble by reporting it. Her age is also like pretty ambiguous in the story. And they determined that she was anywhere between 20 to 40 years old. And most likely more between... 25 to 35, but that's still a pretty big range. She was 5'6", 145 pounds, and had reddish brown hair. What's bothered a lot of people about this case is that no one has ever come forward to identify her, but someone had to be missing her somewhere. You think of all these missing persons cases where families spend their whole lives trying to find their loved ones, and here we are actually with a person who's been found, and no one seems to be able to ID her. And it's just kind of strange to me. It's strange to a lot of people who research this case, Because even back then, it's just weird that no one came forward to claim her. But you have to look at Cape Cod at the time, too. Even back then, it was a vacation hub and has always drawn foreigners to work there over the summer. Could the Lady of the Dunes had been from a different country? It might explain why no one came forward to find her if she was from somewhere in Europe or something and no one knew that she existed. I'm guessing the cape was especially packed that summer, too, because Jaws was being filmed on Martha's Vineyard which might even have ties to this case, but we're going to get into that in a bit. To try and find out who this woman was, police started asking local hotels if she could have been a guest there, but they had, like, no luck. They did notice that she had a lot of very expensive dental work done, like thousands of dollars worth. And apparently it was the New York-style dentistry, but no one really has been able to say what that meant exactly in all the research I did. But, I mean, it's an important detail to try and ID her. Because obviously someone cared enough about her to pay for all this work to be done. Or maybe she even paid for it herself. But police sent pictures of her teeth all over the country. And I believe even some went to places internationally like they sent some to Interpol. But no dentist ever came forward to say it was their work. Which is strange to me. Not that I think every dentist is going to memorize every head of teeth they work on. But with this extensive amount of work, you would think that someone would recognize what was done. But no one ever came forward, like I said. Police figured whoever killed her was probably someone that she knew and trusted since there was no sign of struggle, or maybe she'd been asleep when it happened. Since there was an effort to make sure she wasn't identified, the killer took her hands and some teeth. It's possible that IDing her might have led to them finding out who killed her, so maybe that's why they tried to disguise it. Did someone she knew bring her out to the dunes and murder her on purpose? Or was it something that just happened just completely randomly? Was it not premeditated at all? It's hard to know for sure when we don't know who did this to her. There's a theory that she might have been involved with Whitey Bulger, and he could have been the one who killed her. He was an infamous Boston mobster and head of the Winter Hill Gang, who witnesses say was in Provincetown that summer, and often hung around at the Crown and Anchor, which even at that time was considered like a gay establishment. Provincetown's history as a safe haven for the LGBTQ plus community dates back to the 60s, and as for Whitey spending time there, there's evidence pointing to him possibly being involved in that community and maybe even being bisexual. Or at the very least, he might have worked as a male hustler when he was younger to make money, but this is all still speculation. He'd been spotted that summer with a woman who might have resembled the Lady of the Dunes, and she was found with a green blanket, which was possibly a match to the ones used in the rooms of the Crown and Anchor. Though Whitey never like officially been named as a suspect, it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility since he was known for actually pulling teeth out after he killed someone to make them hard to identify. One of his victims, Debbie Davis, was found in a similar way as Lady of the Dunes with her teeth and hands missing and she was abandoned in a marshy area. Was Lady of the Dunes connected to Whitey Bulger? Maybe she was going to tell something that he didn't want her to, like his involvement in the gay community, which obviously wouldn't have looked great at the time especially when he was trying to establish himself as a major player in the Boston crime world. I also wonder if he could have been the one who paid for all the extensive dental work she had done, and whoever did the work knew that they had to stay quiet unless they wanted the mob to sort of come after them. But that's like a pretty outlandish theory that I just came up with, so I, I kind of doubt that. But we'll never know from Whitey himself, because he was murdered in 2018 at 76 years old, like hours after he went to prison. So obviously he's not going to admit to it nor do I think he would have anyway. So when you talk about Whitey Bulger in this case you also have to talk about Sandra Lee. She's currently a crime writer and she was nine years old at the time of the murder and camping in Provincetown with her family. She claimed to have found the body two days before Leslie Metcalf did but said nothing. She also thinks that others might have stumbled across the body too. There's actually like an interesting article I'm going to link it on my on my website which is wickedxcrime.wordpress.com um in mass live, and it there's a lot of direct quotes from her and she's definitely a character and people have kind of never taken her too seriously in this case but she always comes up so back in 1974 she was staying in provincetown and she was camping at the dunes edge campground with her stepfather who was abusive and an alcoholic and he would go drink at the crown and anchor with whitey bulger apparently sandra even referred to whitey as uncle jimmy so obviously he was known to her family she claims that her stepfather may have even been involved in the murder somehow, but none of this was ever proven. She also believes that there's a strong chance that the Lady of the Dunes was a victim of Whitey's human trafficking and was possibly brought here from Ireland, which would actually explain why no one ever came forward to claim her. Like I said, she could have been a foreigner, especially if she was a victim of human trafficking. We don't know where this woman came from. She could have been a runaway, uh, someone that had no family someone that was taken long before she even went missing. There's a lot of factors here that you have to kind of think about, but some that might be a little bit too outlandish. But Sandra's theory even goes further, and she thinks that the woman was murdered near Boston somewhere, stored in a freezer, and then dumped in the dunes, which honestly, that also seems outlandish to me. That's a lot of, like, assumptions to throw into the story that aren't there. Like, you think if the body had gone through some of that, they would have figured it out when they found her but then again it was the 70s they didn't have all the technology they do now so maybe they couldn't tell if a body had been like frozen and transported and all these things happened to it and maybe you can't tell that from just looking at the body i don't know i'm i'm not a forensic expert or a dead body expert And people are pretty skeptical about Sandra having found the body first because there's really no evidence to it. It's just her saying it. So it might just be her just saying it. We don't know. So police did release multiple different sketches of what this woman might have looked like, which I'll put up on the website so you can take a look at them. They are very different from each other. And now there is a more current one that's more realistic. So she was exhumed multiple times. So that could be why there's so many different renditions of her from back in the 70s when they made one to now and also obviously some of the imaging has gotten better but her skull is actually not in her grave still there's a, there's different bones and things that they've kept out of out of the grave so they can hang on to them in case, in case they need to test them again or what have you so I'm assuming that they could make a better mold of what her face might have looked like when you have her skull but once again I am not an expert on dead bodies in that capacity. One of the most compelling leads about her identity was the theory that she was actually Rory Jean Kessinger, a criminal who was involved in drugs and was part of a crime organization that operated around the Northeast. She was apprehended in 1973 in Pembroke, Mass., during a bank robbery where she attempted to shoot some police officers. Later that year, she escaped from Plymouth Correctional Facility with the help of a corrupt guard, and she, like, rappelled to freedom using bedsheets before she got into a getaway car and disappeared. The jail is actually right across from Cape Cod Bay, where Provincetown is. People really liked this theory a lot because it might explain why her hands were cut off, like if she was a convicted felon then her fingerprints would be on file and she could be easy to identify. She's also been missing since her escape from prison. Police even considered that maybe a member of the group she was involved with wanted to kill her, and it was them who tried to hide her identity after death. But in 2000, when the Lady of the Dunes was exhumed again, Her DNA was tested with the DNA of Rory Jean Kessinger's mother, and it wasn't a match, so that kind of shot down that theory. I'm going to include a picture of Kessinger, though, because you can kind of see why people might have thought it was the Lady of the Dunes, because they could actually look alike. But then again, the renderings of her face have changed a lot over the years, and with the DNA evidence, you can't really deny that it is not her. But, you do have to wonder, whatever happened to Rory Jean Kessinger? Maybe she took a different name and is living somewhere else or who knows maybe she died maybe something crazy happened to her we don't know she disappeared there were a few other leads but not much came from them there was a canadian woman in 1987 who told the royal canadian mounted police that a friend of hers remembered witnessing her father strangling a woman in the dunes in provincetown when she was five years old and the rcmp told the provincetown police department but by the time that the police went to get in contact with the woman she'd moved and no one knew where she went in the Fresh Hell podcast, they talk about how the police chief, James Mead, thinks that this probably isn't a great lead since Lady of the Dunes wasn't strangled, but he admits that a five-year-old might not have realized what they were seeing, and he wants to talk to her about what she saw if he ever gets his hands to and she resurfaces. In the episode of BuzzFeed Unsolved about the case, which I am also going to link on the website, they talk about how two different psychics actually referenced a nurse named Carolyn or Marilyn O'Leary as being the true identity of the Lady of the Dunes, but she was eventually found alive. But it's still pretty interesting, though, since they both came up with the same person and the same name. So I don't know what necessarily that that proves, but it's definitely interesting. And, and I find anything with psychics and the supernatural and the paranormal very interesting, but we're going to save any of that for the October portion of this podcast, which we will get into at a later date. Another possible lead in this case comes from horror writer and son of Stephen King, Joe Hill. He was familiar with the story of the Lady of the Dunes, and while rewatching Jaws, he noticed a woman 54 minutes in who looked very similar to the rendering of what the Lady of the Dunes may have looked like. And she was wearing jeans and a blue bandana. I'm going to put a clip of the woman on my website so you can see what you might think. Though this is an extremely interesting theory, it does seem a little far-fetched, But there were tons of extras who worked on that movie, and members of the casting team would, like, approach locals on the vineyard, offer them some money, and then have them walk through a shot. My aunt and uncle actually live in the vineyard, and they know people who were, like, randomly cast in the movie, and some of them even still receive royalties from it. People did try and track down this lead, but no one could prove that this was or wasn't the Lady of the Dunes, since there were so many extras, and it was so long ago that there weren't detailed records kept on everybody. I think if it was her, it would be one hell of a story, honestly, but it does seem unlikely. But also pretty cool if, like, Stephen King's son helped crack this case. The thing is, though, even if you ID her, it might not lead to catching your killer. So even if the woman in Jaws is the Lady of the Dunes, knowing who she is might not necessarily help us find out who killed her. Or maybe it would connect her right to Whitey Bulger. Now, that would be crazy if if both those things were connected. But like I said, it's probably unlikely. Serial killer Haddon Clark was considered a possible suspect as well. He actually confessed to killing the Lady of the Dunes in 2000 while serving two 30-year sentences for two murders, though it's believed he may have killed up to 12 women, and honestly, his whole family was very disturbed, and I'm going to link the episode of the Mortuary podcast I listened to about him if you want to learn more. He confessed to a cellmate, but Haddon also was a paranoid schizophrenic, so he believed that his cellmate was Jesus Christ. His grandparents lived in Wellfleet, and he spent summers there, which is located right next to Provincetown. He admitted to killing a number of women on the Cape, and even said he buried one in the sand dunes after cutting off her hands and used her fingers for bait. He often cannibalized his victims, but he was only ever charged with the killing of Michelle Dorr and Laura Hodling, because none of the other bodies could ever be recovered, and his description of the woman wasn't enough to go off of. He claimed that he blacked out during most of these murders, and even said that it was his female alter ego Kristen Blufin, who actually committed the murders. He liked dressing in women's clothes, and this is probably because his mother forced him to wear girls' clothes when he was very young, which also happened to serial killer Henry Lee Lucas, which is one of the factors that led to him doing what he did. And we talked a bit about early trauma contributing to crime back in the Danny Croto series. Police even searched Haddon's grandparents' home in Wellfleet because he said that he had buried Lady of the Dunes' hands there, but they didn't find them. They actually brought Haddon with them, and he insisted that he wore women's clothes during the trip, and they even brought his cellmate to keep him calm if something happened. Though they didn't find any human remains, they did, however, find a bucket full of jewelry that possibly belonged to his victims. Though the father of Michelle Dorr couldn't be sure if any of the pieces actually belonged to his daughter, since she didn't really wear jewelry, but considering that Haddon admitted to other murders that he didn't commit, and there wasn't any real proof that he was connected to the Lady of the Dunes, investigators were pretty sure that he wasn't the murderer. And maybe he just wanted to get out of prison for a little bit. It's entirely possible that someone completely random that we know nothing about killed the Lady of the Dunes, especially since we have no idea who she is. Maybe if we knew, we might be able to track down who might have killed her. But for now, we're still in the dark. And most of the theories are sort of like outlandish. Like, she could have been sleeping with Whitey Bulger, or killed by a disturbed serial killer, or be an extra on Jaws. But to be fair, I don't think Spielberg realizes how popular his movie would become. Because if it hadn't, we might not even have this theory about her being in that movie. But still, we're left with this big mystery that is probably the biggest case coming out of Cape Cod. There's also the Black Flash, but I'm thinking I'm going to include that in the October series I kind of mentioned that involves like local legends and scary stories. But like I said, I'm not going to get into that right now. I'm still working on ideas for that. I do want to mention that I read in a YouTube comment on the BuzzFeed Unsolved video that the Kennedys were involved in the death of the Lady of the Dunes, specifically Ted Kennedy. So back in 1969, he was involved in a car accident on Chappaquiddick on Martha's Vineyard that resulted in the death of Mary Jo Kopechny. And it was a huge scandal that basically ruined any chances of him running for president. There's a lot of questions surrounding what happened, and honestly, it might even turn into its own podcast. But the Kennedys were a prominent and wealthy family who spent time on the cape and eventually they bought property on the vineyard. But unless this comment came from a local who knows something, I can't find anything else naming their involvement in this murder. But the Kennys are a mystery in themselves and there's a lot of trauma you could unpack there. That would be a really interesting episode, but we'll see if I actually want to dive into that. So what do you think happened to Lady of the Dunes? Who was she? Honestly, I love all these possible theories and even think that Whitey Bulger could have possibly killed her, but honestly, like... Like everything else, it's pretty far-fetched, and I do think that there's like a big chance that none of these theories are true, but I do think that she might not have been from this area and maybe not even American, but I love the outlandish theories about her being an extra in Jaws or murdered because she knew Whitey was bisexual. I think that that's really super interesting, and if either one are true and we find out it's true, it's going to be like stranger than fiction, honestly. There's a possibility of them doing genetic testing on her DNA to try and see if they can find a match with someone somewhere, and that's how they discovered the identity of the Golden State Killer. So I'm interested to see if that gets any more leads, but for now, all we have is just theories. Also, I've heard that The Lady of the Dunes might pop up in the next season of American Horror Story, which I found in an article on Ranker about the case. And that actually would be pretty cool, and I have noticed while watching American Horror Story, that someone who writes on that show has to be from Massachusetts because they mentioned a lot of really random, quirky things that you'd only kind of h- hear about from someone that was from around here. Like, I think it was in the asylum season, they mentioned about doing an article about the geese in Chickabee. Like, who's going to ever mention Chickabee, which is a tiny town in Western Mass near Springfield, where I'm from? And then I heard that even in, I think, that same episode, the asylum in it, I think, was based off of the Northampton State Hospital. But that was only a rumor. I don't know if that was ever confirmed. So if she does show up in this next season, I think that'll be very interesting. And obviously, once again, if anyone wants to tell me their theories, feel free. You can leave a comment on my blog at wickedxcrime.wordpress.com. You can say something on Facebook. I'm also on Twitter, wicked underscore crime. And you can even email me. I have my email set up on my website. I think from here on out, I'm going to keep doing a more like bi weekly podcast. It's just going to be easier for me with everything starting back up again. I'm going to be going back to work full time. I know a lot of people are too. Also, I think this, I guess you can call it a season, will be done with 10 episodes, and then I'll move on from there. As for what I'm going to be doing in the next episode, I haven't quite decided yet. I do have a few ideas. I have a whole list of possible cases on my website if you want to check it out. And like I said, I do have something, something kind of fun planned for October where we're going to veer away from true crime a little bit and do other things, spooky things. I love Halloween. I love October. That can be a a fun little change up for what we have going on. But once again, thank you for everybody for listening. I hope you're all staying safe out there with everything that's going on. I do appreciate everyone who's been listening to the podcast. So as always... Take care of yourself, look after yourself, and I will talk to you in the next one. Bye.